It's time now we go to God's Word once again in John's Gospel today. John's Gospel, chapter 17, verse 1 is our passage. It begins the, the high priest, what's called the high priestly prayer, or the prayer Jesus prayed in the night in which He was betrayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. We're looking, John chapter 17, we're looking at verse 1 this morning. Before we read God's Word, let's pray and ask for the Lord's blessing upon us as people. A gracious Heavenly Father, we come once again to Your Word, Your life-giving Word, Your Word that is true, perfectly true, not as People in the world today define as true, which is ever-flowing and changing, but true as in set, firm, forever. And uh, Father, we're thankful that You are the God who teaches us Your ways. You teach us also, thankfully, who You are. And you teach us who You are here in Your Son, Jesus Christ, And so as we look to Christ, Father, we pray that we would see You as well, that we would know You greater, and greater communion and fellowship. And Father, bless Your people, and humble Your servant now, as we would hear You speak and not Him. And You would grant to us ears to hear and eyes to see Christ Your Son, we pray in His name. Amen. John's Gospel, chapter 17. Verse 1, these are God's words. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee. Those are God's words. As we come... This morning to the Lord's table to celebrate Christ's sacrifice for us, His people. We come to verse 1 to see the heart of our mediator, Jesus Christ. The passage we see here, Jesus speaks, but in speaking, He lifted up His eyes to heaven. That is, that the Son of God lifted up His eyes To heaven. And who is the Son of God? Last Lord's Day we heard about the Son of Man. Uh, In God's providence, now we hear about the Son of God, who is the same as Jesus Christ. He refers to himself as the Son. And later on in the verse, you see, he says, Glorify thy Son. And so Jesus, the Son of God, not by creation, Not by adoption, but eternally as the only begotten of the Father. He is the Son of God. And though He had become the Son of Man, He is and He never ceases to be the Son of God, as we heard even last Lord's Day evening. And continuing that thought as the Son of Man, taking on human flesh, He did not cease to be the Son of God. We heard from John 3. Last Lord's Day. And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, 
even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And yet he said that about himself while he was on the earth. That the Son of Man is in heaven. And so he is God and he is man in two distinct natures and one person one divine person forever. If you have questions about that, again, I invite you to talk to me after worship. He is Emmanuel, God, with us. The Lord Jesus is the Son of God eternally, the second person of the one Godhead. Here He lifts up His eyes to heaven. He is God. God is a Spirit. Right, children? He is God. He's a Spirit. And yet Jesus has eyes as He took on human flesh while remaining God. And as the Son of Man, He has eyes. He has a true body. We learn in the Catechism, right? He has a true body and a reasonable soul. And so, therefore, He has arms and He has legs. He has eyes. He has vision and hearing. And He can taste and He can smell. Even uh, as amazing as it is to think, He can do so even today as He is in heaven, right? Uh, and how look, we look forward to that marriage supper of the Lamb even today as we look forward to that when He will sit with us and He will feast with us and we commune with Him and He will taste and He'll be able to smell just as we taste and we smell because He is not only God, He is fully, truly man and remains so forever as the one divine person. He here he sees with physical eyes. He has a human soul that rejoiced. He wept and tears came from his eyes. And here he lifts up his eyes to heaven in prayer. John 11. It says, Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus, like here, Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father... I thank Thee that Thou hast heard me, and I knew that Thou hearest me always. In His sinless humanity, He delighted to draw near to God in prayer. And He was unceasing in prayer. He loved the Lord with all of His heart and soul and mind and strength. He did what we have never done. Loved God completely with His whole being. We lift up our eyes to heaven ourselves very little. We pray half-heartedly and without much true heart concern and zeal for the Lord. But Jesus was the perfect praying man. And so while he was, His feet are upon the earth, He lifted up His eyes to heaven where His Father is and where only holiness abounds. Jesus not only lifted up His eyes to pray, we also know what He prayed. And that fills the whole chapter, chapter 17 in John's Gospel. But our focus is on this first verse. It reveals that what He prayed to the Father was in accordance, of course, with God's will. And that's His own will, right? Jesus said, Father, the hour has come. Father, the hour is come. There is, friends, an appointed, appointed, an appointed time for all things. Ecclesiastes 3, we read last Lord's Day. 
To everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. There is an appointed time for all things. Everything that happens, happens at a time appointed. Appointed by God from all eternity. But when Christ prays to the Father, here, the hour is come. He means an appointed time, not for something ordinary or common or normal, but for something truly momentous, an appointed time for something great, something far above the ordinary events of God's providence. In fact, the appointed time for the greatest event between His creating work of the heavens and the earth and His second coming, which has yet to come. Right, He has not yet come back. And the great judgment day. A time appointed by God. A time appointed in eternity past. Just like His appointing the time of your conception and your birth and your death. For He numbers specifically and exactly all your days. Just as my grandmother, and I haven't told many of you this, my grandmother died this past week according to the perfect days numbered for her in eternity past determined by God. And so it is with all of us. The day that you believe the Gospel, if you do, a day is a, uh, that day is appointed by God from all eternity. Christ here says the hour has come. Acts chapter 2. Him... Christ, being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. A time eternally appointed by God. A time that was revealed in Scripture, Matthew 26. Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and He shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? But how then shall the Scriptures be fulfilled, that thus it must be? The God of truth must fulfill His Word. And He has determined the appointed time even for Christ to suffer and to enter into glory. Luke 24, Then He said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into His glory? It was for a time. It was a time for Christ to suffer and to be glorified. 1 Peter 1, Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what and what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Again, it was a time appointed. The hour here in verse 1, it was a time appointed by God from all eternity and in in His eternal counsel, of redemption, a time revealed beforehand in Scripture, and a time uh, for Christ to suffer and enter into glory. Now it is hard, it is hard to anticipate difficult things. When you know on the horizon in the future there are difficult things that will come, you don't know exactly when, but you know they are coming at some point. Even, we can always consider, each one of us can consider our death. 
we have to anticipate that today. And we have to know that's coming. Well, the anticipation is it itself is a suffering. The anticipation itself is a suffering as you wait for whatever that hardship or death, whatever it might be, to come. Jesus Christ had long anticipated His sufferings and death. A man of sorrows. He told His disciples that He would be delivered into the hands of wicked men and cruel men, crucified and slain of the Gentiles, and rise again from the dead on the third day. Christ the substitute... For sinners, Jesus knew what this meant. He knew that a time was coming for His being the substitute. He knew what was before Him. To anticipate bearing the wages of sin for all the elect, being their substitute. Substituting, being substituted in their place where they should be condemned for all eternity. In the fires of hell. He anticipated suffering as that substitute and bearing their sin and guilt, bearing the wrath of God. He knew the holiness. He knew the justice of Jehovah. He knew the fear of Him who hath power to cast into hell. The same wrath shown in hell was to fall on Him as the substitute there on the cross. He anticipated, friends, as no one else could anticipate because He knew, because He's God. He knew exactly what was to come in very specific detail. He gave Himself, even in that anticipation, He gave Himself a ransom for many. The agony and the suffering anticipation of the cross the stress of that, that struggle, that He even because of that suffering of anticipation, it says in the Scriptures that He sweated drops of blood. That's how, suffer, that's how much He suffered in anticipating His suffering and death on the cross. Our salvation was the travail of His soul. And our salvation, for our salvation, He suffered. He suffered sufferings that no one could see. Some of them we don't know about. But a lot of them, thankfully, we do. He suffered sufferings that one could see. That were on public display. His sufferings. The cruelty. Sometimes we don't think about this. Of his sufferings. The cruelty of the Sanhedrin. The wickedness of Annas and Caiaphas, the high priests. The indifferent using of Christ. Using him, right? By Pontius Pilate. He used Christ to taunt the Jews. That's Pontius Pilate used Christ to taunt the Jews. It says, and it was the preparation of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. Right? Pontius Pilate says to the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, 
What did they say? We have no king but Caesar. What blasphemy they committed in that moment. The high priest said they have no king but Caesar. And that's what sometimes the church we found in 2020, right? During COVID. How much the church and pastors and elders said, we have no king but Caesar. But the chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. And Pilate wrote a title and put it on the cross. And the writing was on the cross, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. He was mocking the Jews, taunting them. And so Pilate used Jesus. That's part of his sufferings. The mockery of, of Herod's men, the Caesar of Herod's men and the Roman soldiers, the reed, the, uh, the mock scepter, the crown of thorns, the joy of the chief priests, and the contempt and murderous hearts of the people. They released a murderer, an insurrectionist, so Christ, sinless, would be murdered. And so the taunting, the mockery, the scourging, the scourging, the, the beating, being beaten, the whip with the bone fragments in the end of the whip that ripped his flesh and his back. And more they that passed by reviled him, wagging their heads and saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise also the chief priests mocking him, with the scribes and elders said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God, let him deliver him now, if you will have him. For he said, I am the Son of God. The thieves also, the ones that hung on either side of the cross next to him. The thieves also which were crucified with him cast the same in his teeth. The three hours of darkness over all the land as he bore the wrath of God as the substitute of the guilty which ended crying out, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? This wonderful Savior now lives and we seek His fellowship at His table to which He graciously calls His people. This is our Beloved. And His command is not grievous when He commands, This do in remembrance of Me. He gave everything for us. Suffered not only in anticipating His sufferings, but suffered and died on the cross. And so consider Him when we sit at His table. Consider what, as, what was required at the appointed time to happen so that you could sit at and you can sit at His table. He says, the fa- Father, the hour is come. The hour is come for His suffering and death on the cross. The weight of all your sins, Christian, Believer, the weight of all your sins and guilt upon Him dying so you could sit and feast 
with joy. The hour is come for the eternal weight of all the curses of covenant breaking, the breaking of the covenant of works or covenant of life, falling upon Jesus so that you could sit at His table and feast and be blessed. He cursed on the cross so you could be blessed at His table and in His kingdom. And that forever. The hour has come when all the powers of darkness will combine to vilify the sun. The hour has come that for over 4,000 years, the saints longed for and expected that final accomplishment of the atonement that it would come. Ever since the fall of man in the garden, Genesis 3 and in verse 15, the hour has come that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the seed of the serpent as his foot is bruised. This would be accomplished by the dying of Christ as man's substitute and redeemer on the cross at that particular hour. Up until this point, the hour had not yet come, but now it had. John 7, then they, this is before obviously, John 7, we're in John 17. Then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him because his hour was not yet come. They were not able, even though they tried to take him, they were not able to even touch him because his hour had not yet come. John chapter 8, these words spake Jesus in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him for his hour had what was not yet come. Before the appointed time, before His hour, there were many attempts to destroy Him, capture Him, stone Him. Couldn't do it. His hour had not yet come. And until His hour did come, there would be none that could hurt Him. But now at last the hour had come. The sacrifice was ready. Friends, you should know that time time itself did not force Christ to die. Rather, the Son of God chose the time out of His eternal love for His people to die for them and save them from eternal wrath and torment and damnation. He says, the Father, Father, the hour is come. The second point... Glorify thy son. Glorify thy son. He says, he prays, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son, that thy son also may glorify thee. How is Jesus glorified? How is the son glorified? How is the son of God glorified? Jesus is glorified by pleading with the Father to carry Him through what He was about to go through. And the Father answers this prayer in part by the Holy Spirit who strengthened Him just as He had the Spirit strengthened Him through that temptation with the devil. When the devil had tempted Him to renounce His sonship uh, with an offer of the kingdoms of this world, but He rejected that offer... He was at that moment being strengthened by the Holy Spirit in His human nature. Just as we are strengthened in our human nature by the Spirit to flee from sin. 
But often we grieve the Spirit and quench the Spirit. He did not. And praise God that He rejected those temptations and that offer. And He turned to the Father in prayer. Glorify Thy Son, that Thy Son also may glorify Thee. We think glorify, we think heaven in glory. Christ's exaltation, His reigning as King. But He pleads with the Father. He pleads with the Father that He would glorify His Son through the cross and the grave. The glory that is to come in His exaltation cannot come until He goes through the cross and dies there. And there is glory there. That's the Savior, the Son of God, the Son of Man, pleading, glorify Me through the cross and the grave. Pleading for the triumphant completion of the work that He was set out to do from all eternity, making Himself of no reputation. And taking upon Himself the form of a servant. And being made in the likeness of men, as we read in Philippians 2. And being found in fashion as a man, and He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And that leads to His exaltation and the glory of His exaltation. But first, glorify Thy Son in His death and burial. In His final sacrifice, bringing everything that came before to this climax of all of history, leading to the resurrection of His body and salvation to all who call upon Christ in faith. And why glorify Thy Son? To bring glory to Jehovah. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Praise to Jehovah. The Lord is to be glorified even in His many attributes. And we can consider His attributes, His holiness, that sin shall not stand or be in His presence. It cannot be in His presence. That He is completely other. What other God do you know? who requires no works for salvation, or no works for justification, or to be His, who sacrifices Himself to save His people. What God do you know who does that? And gives them all what is necessary for salvation, even by His Holy Spirit. What God do you know that does that? Who is so gracious and compassionate to call sinners to Himself and not leave it to the will or the works of man. Or you. There is no God like that except that we find in the Lord. And as we see manifested, shown to us in Christ, that He would sacrifice Himself out of His eternal love for His people. His justice. Father, Your justice should be praised by My sacrifice. That's what Jesus is praying here. For your sins, believers, uh, must find their just punishment. They have to because He's holy and righteous. And He's just. He's just. And they do find their just punishment. Every single one of your sins finds their just punishment. Every single one. And they do all of them. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, truly, they do all of them completely fall upon Eternally, fully, in Christ Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. Your eternal punishment placed upon Christ there at the cross. His love, His love so eternal 
uh, great, infinite even for you, that from all eternity, Christ in this moment, His hour is come, anticipated and was sacrificed because He eternally loves you and continued to love you through all of it. All of you who come to Him by faith and repentance. His love. To show forth His love for you. To show forth His truth to you. All the promises fulfilled. All the prophecies of the Scriptures. Everything in God's Word He brings about by His sacrifice on the cross and His sufferings and death. Because if He didn't suffer and die for you, Christian, then all those promises and the prophecies are false. But He did die. On the cross. It's attested even in history, in secular history, that he did so. And so, faithful that whatever God speaks is true, and he's faithful to all his promises. His power, our God's power, to wear the divine person of Christ and his human nature on the cross, crying out, My God! My God, why hast thou forsaken me? And the eternity of wrath and judgment being poured out upon him there as he hung on the cross and dying on the cross. And some of you need to think real hard uh, from your hearts if you want that power of God and that wrath of God so to pour out upon you forever and ever and ever. His power displayed when he was buried and rose from the dead. No one has resurrecting power but Him. What Christ did on the cross and before the cross and His sufferings and what He's pleading here to the Father to do in glorifying the Son is to show forth the glory of the Lord's holiness and justice and love and mercy and faithfulness and truth and power. And we could go on and on with all that He is and what He shows forth to us. To manifest to the world. Jehovah is just and holy and merciful and faithful and true and powerful. That some, by hearing the proclamation of the gospel of Christ's death on the cross, even seeing the sacrament of the Lord's Supper being celebrated, that they would believe. And hearing the word, they would believe in this God who is holy and just and merciful and love and true and powerful. And faithful. Here the plea is to the Father finish the work. Finish all that you've promised. Finish all that you've decreed. Finish all that you plan to do from all eternity out of your eternal love and faithfulness and holiness and justice and power and glory. Father, the hour has come. Glorify Thy Son, that Thy Son may glorify Thee. We see that so clearly in Romans 8. The answer to His prayer summarized for us. He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all. Did not spare Him from this hour but delivered Him up to this hour for us, the church, those who truly believe the elect, for us all. And to bring glory to the Lord, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But now, you must be asked of your heart, of your soul, what will happen when your hour is come? 
What will happen when your hour has come, when the time of the appointing of by God of your number, the number of your days has been has come up, and there's no more days for you when you will die in your body? What will happen when your hour is come? The Lord Jesus suffered His hour. He suffered His hour for the sake of all who would believe upon Him to die for their sins, to rise from the dead, to secure their righteousness credited to them unto glorification and the rising up of body and soul. But only those who believe and repent of their sins. Those who do not believe, those who do not believe at the hour that is to come for you, if that's you, will receive the eternal judgments of the Lord. And so you're to be warned of that. So consider what Christ endured on the cross and that forever. The eternal uh, punishment of all your sins uh, laid there on Christ on the cross. And how could He endure it but because He's the God-man. An eternity of punishment of sin. When your hour comes, what will become of you? And Christ here is calling you to believe on Him. That you would not suffer what He had to suffer for the sake of His people. He calls you to trust in Him for your salvation as we're going to look at in a moment because He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of peace was upon Him and with His stripes we are healed. If you have trusted in Christ's life and sacrifice for your life and eternity upon Christ. Look upon Him. Look upon Christ whose hour came. Did not shy away, but pleaded. Glorify Thy Son. Sacrificed for You. Body given for You. Blood shed for You. This wonderful Savior now lives. And we seek His fellowship at His table in which He graciously calls His people to come and sit and commune with Him. This is our Beloved. And His command is not grievous when He commands this do in remembrance of Me. Consider Him when you sit at His table. Consider what was required at the appointed time to happen so you could sit at His table. He says, Father, the hour has come. Consider what it was that was necessary to glorify the Son and to glorify the Father and to save you from an eternity of eternal punishment forever. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, we'll give you praise for your word. We're thankful that the hour of Christ, the appointed time came for Him to be for Him to suffer and be crucified for our sakes. We pray that each one here, You would grant faith, You would grant Your Holy Spirit to be poured out and grant faith that they would believe unto salvation and any here who don't know You, they would be granted the great gift of Your grace and faith. That none of us would boast in ourselves, but exalt and glorify You, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in Your 
holiness and your righteousness and your justice and your faithfulness and your goodness and love and your truth and your power. We could go on and on, Lord Father. We ask that you would be glorified. Even as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. All these things we plead. And you would show mercy and grace to your people. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.